This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're watching Rum Buncher Radio. This is episode number 61 the MLB draft is finally over. We're going to talk about the signings, the contracts that have been worked out. Some big news. Kyle Crick is no longer a Pittsburgh Pirate, DFA'd at least, and Peters in from the Angels as well. We're going to preview the trade deadline a little bit, talk about Pirates, Matt's a crazy series, preview D-backs Pirates a little bit. Gentlemen, as we talk on Monday, July 19th, how are you guys doing? Draft behind us now, deadline ahead of us. Another big week coming up in Pirates baseball. Right now, doing good. You know, it's been a it's been an exciting week or so here for the Pirates with the draft starting to get guys signed. You know, trade deadline right around the corner. You know, about ten days away now. And like we said in the last show, with with what they were able to bring in in the draft and what you expect them to bring in with the trade deadline, there's a real possibility that come August first, we could be talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates as having the best farm system in all of baseball. Yeah, Marty. Um, hope you guys are doing well. Had a good weekend. Happy to be back, getting going, talking on the show. Uh, like you said, post draft trade deadline not far away. So, very um, exciting time of the year for baseball fans. Um, and like Marty said, especially Pittsburgh Pirate fans, we have a real opportunity here to uh, continue and add um, even more talent to the talent we just added uh, through this draft class. So, yeah. It's an exciting time. And I mean, it's exciting because of what's to come and the moves that are being made right now, the draft picks. But it's also exciting with what's happening on the field. I mean, a walk-off grand slam this week. It was a big weekend for the Pirates and the Mets. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But before we get into that, some breaking news today. Kyle Crick, now, you know, kind of a longtime Pirate in that Andrew McCutcheon deal, designated for assignment. Uh, you guys' initial thoughts on this move and you know, do you think that a trade could have been worked out here instead of this DFA? What was the reasoning behind go ahead and, you know, making this move on July 19th, only a few days away from the deadline? Um, I think with Crick more than anything, you know, I was definitely a little surprised. There's definitely guys on the roster, you know, guy like Kyle Keller, for example, who jumped out at you as being more likely to be designated for Simon than Crick. Um, but, you know, maybe this just shows that this front office is coaching staff they don't believe they're going to be able to get Kirk to harness the command. Um, you know, he's got that wicked wiffle ball slider that is can be unhittable. But if you can't throw your fastball for strikes in the major leagues, you're not going to find success. 
and that has always played Crick during his time with the Pirates. Um, like I said, definitely a little surprised to see Crick designated for assignment, but at the same time, you know, I, I had him pegged as a guy who, if he did not start pitching a little more consistently, I didn't expect him to survive the offseason on the 40-man roster anyway. And maybe the Pirates are the same way. They looked at it as, you know what, this is a guy we're probably going to move on from this offseason anyhow. We'll just do it now. And, you know, a guy, like I mentioned with Kyle Keller, you can keep him around because he can give you two, three, four innings out of the bullpen if you need to in a game where you're taking some lumps. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, like you said, a little caught off guard too because you can think of some other people that definitely you could have DFA'd before um, Kyle Crick. But Kyle Crick, the whole situation has been odd. Uh, they haven't been using him, which, uh, you know, they didn't really use him this past series, I don't believe, did they, Marty? Um, I don't yeah. think he had an appearance. I don't I think he did. He once. He it was a game. The I think he pitched Friday, but didn't did not pitch. I, I'm pretty. Let me look. I'm pretty yeah, certain yeah. he pitched once in the series and it did not go well. Just in general, his usage lately has been weird. And like you said, you could kind of start to see that they have been moving in a different direction with him. Uh, what the DFA tells me is that other teams around the league have noticed that Kyle Kirk has some serious uh, decline in his stuff over the last few years. Um, like you said, Marty, whether it's velocity increase and uh, decreases or command issues, um, he just hasn't been able to harness it. And I don't know. I was a little shocked. I thought maybe they were going to be able to move him in the deadline deal as maybe part of another like trade along with another pitcher or something like that kind of a team looking to grab a couple arms. But I mean, I guess, like I said, obviously I don't think they would have just outright DFA'd him if there would have been someone of a market 11 days out from the trade deadline. Um, yeah. You know. I, I, sorry. I just look, he did pitch Saturday against the Mets. I thought I remember pitching a game. Uh, yeah. He allowed hit and walked a batter. That was the first time he had pitched since July 7th, and he'd only pitched four times, including this past Saturday. He's only pitched four times total dating back to June 28th. So he has not, not been used a ton. And, you know, when he has pitched, it hasn't gone well. You know, looking at his July outings, he an outing against, against the Braves, gives up four runs, only gets one out, gave up two runs in an inning in an outing against Milwaukee, um, pitched a scoreless inning in another outing against the Braves, but allowed two hits and walked a guy. Like, it's just – He'd been dancing through raindrops when he did get outs, and just I, I like just, we said, the biggest thing this shows is that not just the Pirates, but the rest of baseball really have probably lost faith in Crick and his stuff and his ability to throw strikes. I mean, I'm sure a team's going to grab him, you know, because like we said, teams always need bullpen help. But the fact that you're this close to the deadline and you weren't able to find a team that was willing to, you know, throw something your way, um, I think that's pretty telling. It's just crazy, though. I mean, he was so good when he first got here, and everything started to really fall off, it seems like, during that magical 20 – what was that, 2018, 2019, when him and Keon Kella got into it? I think it was, it was 2019 because I remember he was yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. He started 19 strong, and there was a game in early June against the Braves where he just got shelled. And Austin Riley hit just like a nuke off of him to give Atlanta the lead. And 
from like that game on, he was just he always struggled. You saw the velocity start to go down. And, and now I know he had a lot of things going on in his personal life as well. Um, I remember story last year for opening day, his dad and his brother both passed away within like 10 days of each other or something like that. But, you know, whenever you see the stuff starting to lack, that's when you know it's not just a guy going through something mentally or emotionally or whatever it might be. Whenever you see the start, stuff start to decline, which we saw with Crick, that's when the red flags are really going to go up. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, Marty, you wonder how much this past year has kind of gone into just this complete unraveling that we've seen. Um, but, you know, the DFA did happen today, a corresponding move. Dylan Peters coming from Anaheim to Pittsburgh. What was the idea behind this trade? They've traded for cash considerations and, you know, he's going to be joining this team at 28 years old. He had a, over 16 ERA last year. What was the idea here? Why Dylan Peters? And uh, what do you guys expect, you know, his return to look like in Pittsburgh? Um, you know, it's, it's an, it's an interesting pickup, um, by the pirates, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit surprised that with Crick being DFA'd, we didn't see Peters, uh, come to the major league roster. I mean, we still may see that sooner rather than later. I'll also be intrigued to see what they do with him at AAA. Are they going to use him as a starter? Are they going to use him as a reliever? That I also is the starter. Are they, I just saw he was yeah. getting Andy. I mean, I yeah, know it's well, I someone reported it that okay. he's going to go to the rotation. Does, I know in his minor league career, he's almost exclusively started. Um, in the majors, I looked earlier, I believe it's something like 32 games with 24 of them being starts. But with the Pirates, you know, this could also potentially be a sign of they know there's trades coming. Um, you know, Chad Cole and Tyler Anderson are two guys that we've heard a lot of trade chatter about. So if you do wind up moving one or both of those guys and you move up a Max Kranich permanently, uh, Miguel Ure, when he gets healthy, whoever it might be, you're going to need arms in that AAA rotation then. So it could even be something as simple as that as looking to add depth ahead of the trade deadline. You know, similar to what we saw them do a couple weeks ago with signing D. Strange Gordon, where you know, okay, Adam Frazier is going to be moved at some point in the next few weeks. If the ability is there to add some more organizational depth now for when that trade comes, let's go ahead and do it. Yeah, that's really well put, Marty. Um, you know, I didn't even think about it like that. Who knows what's coming? And, you know, if this is just a, a move that they're doing ahead of time so that they have the guys, if trades are made and whatever else. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about Adam Frazier. Another, another thing we do have to think about, too, is uh, Stephen Brault is rehabbing at AAA Andy right now. Uh, so this Kyle Crick DFA might – getting him off the roster it might be setting up, you know, for an opportunity for um, Stephen Brawl to, you know, join the MLB roster and also still have a, you know, an arm then at AAA to fill in for those innings. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Cause I mean, it does seem like Brawl's probably going to be back into the rotation, if not by the end of the month, shortly thereafter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's probably got to be it, right? Because when these moves went down, when we saw Craig DFA, it, it was just a little bit confusing. But, you know, the more you guys talk about it like that, and the more you think about it, it gets a little bit cleared up when you think about what's coming and, you know, the potential for Stephen Brault and other trades to change this roster up a good bit here in the coming weeks. Uh, but Dylan Peters coming to Pittsburgh now, Kyle Crick designated for assignment. Um, gentlemen, 
this past weekend, of course, the MLB draft went down and Henry Davis was the number one pick. That surprised a lot of people. But as we talked that night, if you guys listened to that episode, you realized this was very strategic. This was something they were doing to get the first pick way under slots. So they could have that money for the rest of the draft to try to have a big time draft, not just in the first round, but the rest of the way. Obviously, as it went on, they had a really big draft. A couple players have signed. We saw Davis's contract. Now they ended up saving over a million dollars on that contract. Some other players have signed as well. Who who else is going to sign? Who isn't going to sign? And talk about some of those deals that have already gone down. Of course, the Pirates have saved a ton of money to this point for these other deals they look to make. But guys like Bubba Chandler, Lonnie White still haven't signed their contracts yet. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, they saved a lot of money on Davis and actually they saved upwards of like 1.8, 1.9 million um, dollars on him, which is right around what Keith Law, um, you know, reported back way back when he had Davis at the top of his board and said that Pirates were potentially going to save upwards of two million dollars if if they took Davis, and he was he was right. Apparently, the reasoning was because Davis's other team that was going to take him would have been the Red Sox at four, and that slot at four was six point six million. So he essentially gets, uh, you know, that money that he would have got at four and the Pirates, like you said, he helps Pirates out by giving them a lot of extra money to use. Um, the other big one was um, Jackson Glenn, the infielder that they drafted in the fifth round out of Dallas Baptist. He took a very uh, minimal signing bonus. He's a fifth-year senior guy, doesn't have a lot of leverage. And overall, it was like – I think over $400,000 in savings. So those were the two uh, big, big ones where they really uh, saved, um, like you said, the money they're going to need to use to sign these other guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you think about it, and I, I think it was you, Marty, that tweeted this week, you know, why can't we trade draft picks? Why can't we trade the number one pick for something? But essentially, you know, you put it like that, Nick, and, it's kind of like the Red Sox and the Pirates really just traded the number one pick for the number four pick as they drafted Meyer, the suspected number one pick. And, you know, Davis potentially would have gone to the Red Sox there at number four. So, uh, you know, they kind of figured that out in a sense. And the Pirates wanted it to be this way so they could have that money. Um, some other guys, Lonnie White, are still, you know, in the air about Marty. I know that makes you excited one way or the other is Penn State football guy, potentially, or a, a Pittsburgh Pirate as well. Um, but, you know, we'll kind of track that. As it comes, a lot of guys signing their contracts right now across baseball. And it's been fun to kind of track some of the guys that didn't get drafted these last few days, you know, who they've gotten picked up by. And, uh, you know, and and just this really first experience for the guys that have been drafted to get in these organizations, put on the jersey, take the picture, everything else. It's been a lot of fun to watch. This past weekend was a lot of fun to watch if you're a Pirates fan. They took two out of three. They couldn't win the finale on Sunday over the Mets. But some crazy games and, and a walk-off grand slam, obviously highlighting that. A fair foul call that costed the match three runs as they were trying to argue it while the play was going on. Let's talk about the series as a whole and you guys' biggest takeaways. The Pirates got two out of three over New York this weekend. Yeah, it was definitely a fun series. And, you know, when you have a team like the Pirates, your last place in your division, you're going to finish probably one of the five or six worst records in baseball this year. It feels good to have a series like this. You played the Mets. The Mets obviously are a good team. They're first place in NL Central – or in NL East, excuse me. It took two of three from them. That included Saturday night, uh, that big comeback. Um, going into the game on Saturday, MLB teams this year were 314-0. and 0. Excuse me, when leading by six in the eighth inning or later. 
and the Mets were leading six nothing going to the eighth and took that loss. You know, the big home run by Wilmer Defoe. And of course the walk-off grand slam by Jacob Stallings. You know, even Sunday's game, yeah, the Pirates lost. Um, you know, it was a, it was an exciting game. Came down to the end, they got that big lead. Uh, watching the Mets just completely melt down in the first inning over that call was hilarious. I mean, that ball was clearly on the line when Walker flipped it, like it flipped it into the stands and whatever it was he was doing. You know, so not only did the Pirates take two or three from the Mets. You know, in the process, Tywin Walker may have dethroned Will Craig for worst defensive play in baseball this year. Just a total boneheaded play by him, not only to flip the ball that far instead of just touching it foul if he thought it was foul, but also then, like you said, Trey, to proceed to start to argue with the umpire while there's guys still rounding the bases because that probably cost the Mets a run there. They probably could have cut down that third run to plate or stopped it from ever coming home had Walker just covered the plate instead of arguing with the umpire. Um yeah, you know, it was a fun weekend. Get two out of three. Had some big crowds at the ballpark this weekend. That Stallings walk-off grand slam. The place was going nuts. It's good to see, especially in a season like this where you know you're not going anywhere. Some of those little glimpses, some of those reminders for what's to come down the road when the Pirates are competitive again. Yeah, and, you know, Jacob Stallings just doing it again. I mean, the guy just continues to just be the epitome of, like, what – Every like we're we're just talking about the MLB draft, right? Like this guy was never supposed to be more than an organizational catcher, maybe a backup if needed, the number three, um, you know. And he just can he was DFA'd at one point, you know. Now he's turning into one of the best catchers in baseball, and that's not an overstatement. Like people forget how tough it is to find productive catchers on both sides of the plate, you know, and and we as Pittsburgh pirate fans, we know that because we've had a real lack of um, catching depth there the last couple of years since, you know, uh, Francisco Cervelli was starting regularly, but it's been refreshing to see. Uh, And, you know, he's one of those guys. I am a little nervous. He's in his thirties at this point. Is he someone that they're going to look to move? I would assume if they did this, it would be more in the offseason than at this deadline. Uh, You just don't typically see catchers um, really moved. Um, But I I don't know. I I hope that maybe they can talk to him and get him on a team-friendly extension because I think he means a lot to this team. And – I'm not a big person for that whole like veteran presence, locker room, clubhouse chemistry, mentorship. But Jacob Songs is one of those guys that you can just tell when when he retires from baseball, he'll he'll probably still be involved with baseball. He he knows the game, and I think he could really, you know, impress these young young players and also mentor them and actually help these young pitchers that are going to be coming up. So I'm glad to see Jacob Stallings continue to have success. Like Marty said, it was a great weekend. Um, But that, that, that was the moment for me that I really enjoyed the most. Yeah. See Nick, the the only thing there where I'm going to disagree with you on Stallings is the idea of a contract extension. Um, He's still controlled through 2024 
And at that point, you, you know, your Andy Rodriguez will be here, should be here. If Henry Davis sticks behind the dish, he should be here probably even before that. Um, I, I'm with you with keeping him around. He's one guy who I'm not in the trade him now boat like I am with a Frazier, with a Rich Rod, some of those other guys. And I do agree with you. If he has moved, that's probably an offseason trade because you're going to have a lot of teams interested in the offseason, I suppose, right now. And I really do like the idea of keeping him around for the other reasons you said. Good locker room guy, help with these young staff. You know, whenever you do get an Andy Rodriguez and or a Henry Davis up here, you know, he can help him mentor those guys. You know, I saw that on Sunday when Davis was at PNC Park taking batting practice, the Pirates set his locker up next to Stallings and just had him follow Stallings around, basically. So, you know, the Pirates think very highly of Stallings, his defensive acumen, his ability to handle pitching staff, all of that. So, you know, I'm with you on keeping him around, but I would be very hesitant for contract extension just between his age. He's controlled through 2024, and then you throw in having both Rodriguez and Davis, who are projected to be here by 2024. Uh, I think that he's a guy that you probably could let walk on that end. You know, honestly, I didn't realize that he was an R4 guy through 2024, so that was my fault. Um, He has four years of arbitration, so – yeah, no, I mean, I agree. There's no reason you don't need to extend him other than if you're just trying to potentially that ARB four year, if he keeps doing what he's doing, could get expensive. But I, I don't think that's something we need to worry about right now because, like Marty said, um, by that time, you know, hopefully we'll have some other options and we can kind of figure it out when we need to. But for now, uh, yeah, I think this offseason will be interesting because – I think people don't realize um, what teams are willing to give up for a good catcher. And that's what Jake is. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, we heard the Marlins even brought into the conversation. Our group message today is potentially a team that was interested. Um, You know, we'll kind of track that and see, you know, he could be moved, but I'm with you guys. I think that's something that happens later on if it does at all. And, you know, once he's done with the game, like you said, Marty, he's, Got coaching in his blood. I could I could definitely see that being something that he pursues down the line. Um, but, yeah, big weekend for Jacob Stallings, the walk-off grand slam. While we're on it, guys, let's just go ahead and talk about Adam Frazier a little bit. We're going to preview the D-backs to close out the show tonight. But Adam Frazier is, is a name that, obviously, we've been talking a lot about. And personally, I don't think there's a world where, you know, he's a Pittsburgh Pirate for much longer. I, I, unless something has drastically changed in the last couple of weeks. I know you guys probably feel the same way. But, you know, somebody texted me right after the All-Star game and said, well, you know, you look at his age and this, that, whatever, he could still give the Pirates five years of this potentially. You know, why don't we just extend him, whatever? What's the argument, you know, on either side? Um, I think uh, the Frazier trade, I think, really could come at any point. Um, a uh, American League scout that Nick and I know sent us an email over the weekend and said that the Frazier trade is, quote-unquote, a ticking time bomb. So it's coming, you know. Exactly. I mean, and I expect the Pirates to get a good return for Adam Frazier. You know, the the fact he can play left field and right field in addition to second base, he's having a career year. He can bat lead off. Um, he can play a pretty good defensive second base as well. He's controlled through next season. Yes, this is a career year, but his career track record is still that of a slightly above league average hitter who gives you well above league average defense second base and can be an average to slightly above average defender in the outfield. You know, there's a lot for teams to like about Adam Frazier. I also think that the people are going to be really surprised in the return that the Pirates get for Adam Frazier. I think he's going to 
net a larger return than people think. And with the extension thing, I, I can get where people are coming from for that. But Frazier, again, guy going into his 30s, you know, he's having a career year, so you can't bank on this being the norm. And the circle back to the draft real quick, the main reason people didn't want the Pirates to draft Marcelo Meyer or Jordan Lawler was because they constantly said about how much middle infield depth this organization has. And that is true. And that should also be a factor in not extending Adam Frazier. You know, you have Nick Gonzalez coming in a hurry at second base, you know, between Giwan Bay and Lavero Paguero, one of them could eventually end up at second base. Uh, it just, there, there's I, extending Frazier is just an argument that I can't make. And yeah, like we said, I think by August 1st, I shouldn't even say that because the trade deadline is July 30th this year instead of July 31st. So by, by July 31st, come the morning of July 31st at the absolute latest, Adam Frazier will not be a Pittsburgh pirate. I think the only way he is, is if he gets injured between now and then. Yeah. Uh, I just don't see it either. Marty, uh, the extension doesn't make a lot of sense. The team's still a couple years off from competing. And at that point, um, you're kind of throwing money at him early in those years to continue and kind of rebuild. So, you know, I think, when you're looking at him, he's going to be 30 going into next year. He's going into this last year of arbitration. I saw a figure give him around 8 to $9 million next year. That's doable for the Pirates, but it also just doesn't make sense to keep him. When you keep him past this deadline, that value starts to decrease because he's no longer controllable for, you know, it's less than a season from there on out, basically, every game. So – if they want to maximize the return and get the what John Heyman's saying, which is potentially two uh, top 100 prospect type talents for him, they need to do it. And it's the model that we talked about during our draft shows. It's the Tampa Bay Rays. It's the uh, Oakland A's. This is what the team needs to do. Investing in Adam Frazier doesn't make sense because of what Marty said. You have younger options that are ready to come up and take that spot. The goal, though, is that those younger options actually come up and produce. And that's where Neil Huntington failed. Neil Huntington also failed in timing these trades. Also, he probably would have traded Adam Frazier already and wouldn't be at this point to trade him at this deadline and sell high. Um you know, so I give Ben Charrington credit, but, you know, he's got to finish a job here. He's got to get the proper return that he's been waiting for. And, you know, if he gets that proper return, then that's that's this model. That's the system that he needs to keep kind of churning through. Yeah, back-to-back home runs for the Cardinals here. This is just a weird night in baseball tonight. Um, but, no, like you're saying, Nick, he has done this beautifully. He waited. He didn't trade him this past offseason when he had value, but not even close to the value he has right now. And that'd be a hot take. If Adam Frazier had had the season he's having right now for the last four years, I still trade him. Not even a question in my mind. He's about to be in his 30s. Look at the rest of the organization. Is anybody else that's going to be winning on your team in 2023 or 2024 getting you know close to their 30s? Not at all. And you can't you put towards Reynolds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, money you spend on Adam Frazier is money you're taking away from Brian Reynolds' extension. It's money you're taking away from talks with Key Brian Hayes. It's money you're taking away from 
not necessarily this off season, but maybe next off season where you're going to be looking to contend in 2023 and looking to bolster the roster and free agency, you know, the, the money you would spend on Frazier now is money that could be spent differently and allocated differently to help you better contend for the postseason in 2023 and beyond. Fans don't want to hear it, but once again, it's the model. This is yeah, it's what the Tampa Bay Rays do to win five more games and still finish in last place exactly. in the NL Central. I know it's not, it's not what fans want to hear. We just want to hear that our team's trying to win, but it's not realistic, and it's the way baseball is. Blame baseball, blame Bob Nutting. That's fine, but understand that's what they have to do. Mm-hmm. And right now, it just makes sense to not to pay as minimal as possible to save up as much money to use when it actually matters. Yeah. They said that's baseball. Baseball is broken. You know, Tampa Bay does it. it. Kansas City does it. You really think Tampa Tampa Bay fans didn't want to see Blake Snell traded last year. And he was traded. And guess what? Tampa Bay still probably going to make the postseason again. And they got a heck of a return for him. They haven't missed a beat. And that's what Sherrington's trying to do here. Same thing goes with Cleveland and Francisco Lindor. You know, and the Indians are a better team this year than they were last year with Lindor. It's just when you have these front offices who are smart and they know what they're doing, this is what you're going to get. You know, until the day baseball ever gets a salary cap, which is going to be never, this is the way baseball is going to function. It's what small market teams have to do. And it it would be one thing if this was never a successful method, but this is a situation we're in. And we've seen it work elsewhere, and it can work in Pittsburgh, too. And trading Adam Frazier is a must. I mean, it's a vital piece of it. You have a you have a you know diamond in the rough right now, but that doesn't mean anything for a team that's going to finish in last place. You can have a chance to get you know two gems for the future for the diamond in the rough. Um, you know, as hard as it is to tell Adam goodbye because he's been great this season and he's been an awesome pirate throughout his career. But it's time. He just has so much value too. I mean, the fact beyond just what he does on the field, that contract, the fact that he's not a rental. So you know he's coming back to your team next year. And the fact that he is going to only make $8 million, I mean, like next year and this year at this point, he's probably due less than $2 million or around there. So every team can be in play for him. And there's a lot of teams that, you know, would, would love to have him on right now and could use him vitally for their postseason run. The Pirates can't. It's just not realistic. If you guys weren't convinced before, trade Adam Frazier. I hope you're convinced now. Uh, the Pirates and the Diamondbacks getting set for the midweek series. Uh, game one is underway. I believe they're in the middle of the second inning now as we record here on Monday night. Let's preview the series a little bit, what you guys are excited for. Obviously, the Diamondbacks having a, a similar season. They've had their struggles. Chance for the Pirates to get some more wins. What are you looking forward to? Um, I, I Actually, I had a little bit of a series preview out on the website this morning. Um, a couple of things I highlighted. One – there's a real possibility that Tuesday night is Tyler Anderson's final start as a pirate. Um, I don't think it's coincidental. If that he even out, makes it. Yeah, yeah. If he even, I said that's exactly what's going on. If he makes it to Tuesday. Um, I don't think it's that's coincidental. That's why they have inflated so far back in the rotation. Bingo. <laughs> it's not coincidental they pushed him back to day five coming out of the break. Um, so if Tyler Anderson is still a Pittsburgh pirate, by the time first pitch rolls around Tuesday, I think that is his final. That was going to be my point of interest too. Yeah. Mark. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in addition to that, you know, Arizona's pitching staff is it's it's hot garbage. Um, it makes the Pirate pitching staff look decent, which takes a whole lot to do that. So I'll be curious to see what the Pirate offense can do. 
Um, as you said, Trey, game went to start and the Pirates just left the bases loaded in the top of the second inning. Although part of that was because uh, Chase Dion came up with one out and the bases loaded and struck out. And Kevin Newman did what Kevin Newman does best in a ground ball shortstop. But, um, no, I'll be curious to see what the offense can do. And even some of these guys, you know, your Wilmer Defoe's, John Nagowski, Ben Gamble, these guys who you weren't even with the organization when the season started, with the exception of Defoe, who have quietly become pretty dang solid contributors for the Pirates. Be curious to see what they can do if they can continue their hot stretch here in the series. You know, especially Gamble, who has a good track record, can play all three outfield spots, can play first base, good left to bench off the bat. You know, if he can if he can stay hot, Gamble could be a sneaky good trade piece here in these next couple, this next week or so. Yeah, I agree, Marty, with the Gamble thing. I saw someone saying they shouldn't trade him. He has a year left to control after this, so I understand he has some like cheap value, and you know, looking at the outfield next year, could they use him? Sure, but I just, I mean, what's I don't really see the point in keeping him. It's just another mm-hmm. thing you picked him up basically hoping he would bring value. And if you can trade him for whatever, uh, you know, a couple lottery ticket prospects or as part of a bigger trade, then that, that shouldn't stop you. Uh, you know, if, if, if a team's calling up and offering you fair value for Ben Gamble, I'm sure Ben Charrington will happily oblige. Uh, mm-hmm. And one thing to remember too, when the Pirates picked up Gamble, um, Polanco was hurt. Anthony Alford and Dustin Fowler yeah, I mean, did not look like they belonged. He didn't know he would be around still. Yeah, they, they, they needed a body for the outfield. Reynolds was banged up at the time. That's when he had that stretch where Reynolds only played like once in like 10 days or whatever it was. They needed someone to play the outfield. So it's not like they went out and acquired Gamble and Nick, like you said, expect him to be some big building block or something. You know, I think he's a guy you don't have to move him, obviously. But if, if a good offer comes along for him, I think the Pirates would jump on it. Or I wouldn't be surprised if you see him packaged with, you know, a Rich Rod, a Tyler Anderson, Frazier, Chris Stratton, whoever it might be, to a team who might need bullpen help and outfield help, something like that. Yeah. Lefty off the bench. I mean, it's yeah. one of those – Ken Rosenthal wrote it in his column the other day, like, you know, about Richard Rodriguez saying he he checks all the boxes of what teams look for at deadlines, you know, and – it's the same thing with Ben Gamble in a way. He checks a lot of boxes that teams mm-hmm. look for. Like you said, a versatile player who can play multiple positions decently and has a little bit of pop from a left-handed bat off the bench. And, you know, to circle back to something you said earlier, too, about Stallings, by all accounts, Gamble's a great clubhouse guy to have. Um, I mean, I know it seems like the Pirate clubhouse is really taken to him. I know he's very popular when he was in Milwaukee. And teams value that stuff. You know, if you're a team who, you know, I think a good example here, the Chicago White Sox, who could potentially use a little bit of outfield help, very young team, a very young core. You might want a guy that veteran presence has some postseason experience to kind of just be there. Yeah. 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 I I think Gamble would be a great fit for a team like that. You know, to a lesser extent, maybe. I'm not saying that they're looking for outfield help. But, again, a team like San Diego, very young core, might want that little bit of a veteran presence in the clubhouse down the stretch into the postseason. Hey, one team, too, that uh, I just want to throw out and talk about um, that we haven't really spoken about on this podcast a lot that is a team to watch. And I just popped in my head because of Ben Gamble's the Seattle Mariners. Um, yeah. I, 
they make a lot of sense for Adam Frazier. Uh, Robert Murray said that on the podcast here a little over a month ago. And I was like a little at first, I'm like, did he mean to say that? But look, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And they continue to kind of be in it. And the Mariners are in one of those situations where they're looking not so much at this year. They're happy to be in it this year a little bit, but they're also looking at next year. And so that's why a guy like Adam Frazier and Ben Gamble, who was with them, mm and was traded to the Brewers, you know, that could make a lot of sense for them if they want to bring him him back, someone they're familiar with, as well as, you know, an Adam Frazier if they're looking to make a splash. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And like you said, Mariners are a team looking for next year as much Rich as this year. Help yeah. Rich Rod, Stratton, guys who are controlled beyond this year. You, you know, it's very similar to the Pirates in 2012 at the deadline when they were concerned with 2013 and beyond as much as they were just 2012. And then went out and got a Wandy Rodriguez. They went out and got a Travis Snyder. They got guys who were there designed to contribute, not just in 2012, but beyond. Yeah. I had the chance to watch Travis Snyder play this week. Actually, he was playing for triple a Atlanta. I, I, know it. Was so wrong. Good for I didn't time. either. He came up. I was like, Oh my <laughs> God, this guy, what? Jason Kipnis was actually in the game too. It was crazy. Wow, uh, German, German. that'd be a hell of a triple A lineup back in like 2013. Yeah, literally. Oh my god, it was really. I mean, White Sox organization versus Braves organization. We got some Drew Waters in there. It was it was cool. Yeah, it was a good matchup. But uh, yeah, Travis Snyder didn't do too well. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, it's um, you know, it's going to be really interesting. We could see a package deal. All those teams you guys just named are teams that would fit Adam Frazier and Ben Gamble. So we'll see. We're going to preview all Listen. of this. One last thing I'll say, yeah, yeah. kind of build on what you just said there. We've seen Ben Charrington is willing to get creative. He did a three-team trade this offseason with the Mets and the Padres. Um, so, you know, I I wouldn't, like you said, package deal, whatever. I, I think we could see a lot a lot uh, different scenarios play out over the next uh, 10 days or so. Oh, for sure. And it's, you know – I don't think he has – he's too married to anything at this point because, you know, he's always – the thing about Ben Sherrington, he's always going to get max return. And, you know, there's probably a lot of offers out there right now. So he's going to have to sift through those. We will talk about those, what we expect to happen at this deadline in our trade deadline preview. That's coming for you next week. Probably drop that one about three or four days before the deadline. So look out for it. As always, guys, you can find the rest of our episodes at Omni.com, Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. For Nick Caparoso and Marty Lee, my name is Trey Yannity. Guys, before we get out of here, go check out the rest of the website as well. So many articles out right now. We're having one of the best months we've had in Rum Buncher history, and we really appreciate your support. Go check out what our uh, staff writers are doing on the website side of things as well. Until next week, everybody, let's go Bucks. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.